Welcome to Malpractice Podcast. Are you ready to get started? <laughs> I am ready. I am ready. Fantastic. We have no time to update you on the nonsense in our lives because we have an interview for you. We do have an interview. Um, it's a good one. My name is Sydney. And I'm Jess. And we jumped the gun. We jumped the gun <laughs> on this malpractice podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys are going to really like this episode. So today we're sitting down with retired special agent Bruce Sackman beep, 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 beep. for the second time. <laughs> Yeah, we love Bruce. Um, If you haven't heard our first episode that we did with him, highly recommend it. So Bruce's job was to hunt some of America's worst medical serial killers and bring them to justice. Today we're discussing the case of former nurse Redonda Vaught. You may have seen it in the news coverage recently. Yeah, if you know anyone in the medical field or you've seen, you know, the news, this case has caused Mm -hmm. uh, like a complete like uproar, really from nurses and medical professionals across the country, while also, like, really striking at the heart of patients and Mm -hmm. loved ones of patients. So it's a really kind of, I don't know how to describe it beyond, like, a special kind of case. Very special. In our opinion, this case, like, has two victims. It was, you know, essentially it's an accident that went really, really wrong and ended up taking a life. So, obviously, the woman lost her, uh, who lost her life was Charlene Murphy. She lived most of her life in Gallatin, Tennessee. She was married to her husband, Sam, for almost six decades. They had two sons. Six decades is a long time to be married, so shout out to them. It's a very long time. She was described as the epitome of a southern matriarch with a warm smile, a quip, or a plate of food. Um, the Tennessean reported that it's a quote from them. I would never <laughs> use a quip. In a yeah, no, same. Charlene became ill around Christmas Eve 2017, and she was soon diagnosed with a subdural hematoma. Shortly afterward, she was transferred from Sumner Regional Medical Center to Vanderbilt University's hospital. While everything seemed to be going well and her condition was actually improving, her physician ordered a PET scan to be sure that releasing her from the hospital was the right move. So she was getting better. They were getting ready to release her. They just wanted to make sure. And that's when they were doing the scan. So Charlene was told she would need to lie still for the duration of the PET scan, but she told her medical caretakers like you lie still for the pet scan because she said she was uh, extremely claustrophobic and that team of medical caretakers included the nurse Redon Devot and she was like I can't lay still essentially like I will not enjoy that and neither will you holding me down. Have you ever seen like a pet or a CT scanner? Okay yeah so for anybody who hasn't it's basically a round tube that's pretty close to your face so if you were claustrophobic it would not be good for you and they move you in on kind of like a stretcher that you have to stay entirely still on for the duration of the pet scan so because of her fear of enclosed spaces they prescribed charlene a mild sedative called versed so the doctor ordered versed 
When Redonda went to the medicine cabinet to get the medication, she found it behind a pop-up or safeguard that she had to disengage to get access to the drug. Apparently, the process of calling these drugs up to be dispensed involves typing the first few letters of the name and then acknowledging that you know what drug you're getting. So there's a pop-up for Versed, for instance. You would type in VE, you would click on the appropriate drug, and then you would acknowledge that you're trying to take out Versed. But when the Versed was in the medical cabinet, it was actually in there by its generic name. So Versed was not in the cabinet. So instead of pulling that mild sedative, Versed, uh, Redonda accidentally pulled a strong paralytic agent called, this is awesome that I have to read this. What is it? Vercuronium. <laughs> I would never have gotten that correct. Yeah. When she injected Charlene with the drug, she went into cardiac arrest. And by the time they caught the mistake, she had suffered severe brain damage and Charlene Murphy died two days later. So I think it's fair to point out some of the arguments that prosecutors used to secure the recent conviction against Redonda Vaught. Number one, she ignored several warning signs. I think the total was five as she withdrew the wrong drug. Number two, Versed is dispensed in liquid form while Vercuronium is a powder that she would have had to dilute herself. So the drugs were in completely different forms. And then number three, Charlene Murphy was injected with the drug and then left alone to be scanned where she went into cardiac arrest. This is where they actually got the neglect charge that we'll, we'll talk about in just a second. So Redonda Vaught ends up with a neglect charge because essentially she injected the drug and then left Charlene Murphy alone in the PET scan machine so that when she went into cardiac arrest, there was no medical personnel in the room with her. On the other side, Vought says she was distracted by a trainee asking questions during the drug dispensing process. She also immediately acknowledged her error and took sole personal responsibility for it. Which, which respect. is really hard to do about the smallest of things. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't imagine it's great this. that she was honest. Yeah. So I was at a, a picnic on Saturday and there was a woman there who was an ICU nurse, actually a neuro ICU nurse, exactly like Redonda Vaught. And she said her mentor was from Vanderbilt. And her mentor had told her that the entire drug system was actually down at the time. And it required overrides for every medication dispensed, which I had trouble substantiating this. So it may or may not be true. But if that is, it's a huge problem because it would have meant that every single drug that was dispensed from the cabinet required overrides. And that may have contributed to the fact that Redonda Vaught yeah. basically bypassed, contributed to that, mistake. you know, a bunch of warnings. Yeah. And finally, Vaught's attorney, Peter, argued that his client made an honest mistake and that mistake did not constitute a crime. And she then became a scapegoat for systemic problems related to medication cabinets at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. I don't know if ultimately she's sort of a, a fall person for Vanderbilt in this. So. Defense attorney Peter Shryance was shocked that there are even criminal charges. He believes the blame shouldn't solely be on his client. It's a mistake and it's not all of her fault either. There are some real systemic problems with the way that they dispense. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but regardless of whose side you're taking, Redonda was criminally prosecuted for her mistake, and last week she was convicted of one count of gross neglect of an impaired adult, 
and one count of criminally negligent homicide. So she is facing up to eight years in prison. Ms. Mims, has the jury reached a verdict? We have. Would the defendant please stand and face the jury? Ms. Mims, on the uh, on count one, what is the jury's verdict? We, the jury, find the defendant, Redonda Leanne Vaults, guilty of gross neglect of an impaired adult. As to count two, the lesser included offense, what is the jury's verdict? We, the jury, find the defendant, Redonda Leanne Vaults, guilty of criminally negligent homicide. Thank you. You may be seated. And she will be sentenced on May 13th. It's important to note, too, that cases where medical mistakes end up in criminal court are very rare. And there are lots of nurses and nurse advocacy groups around the country that are pissed about this outcome. Yeah. According to one NPR article, in the wake of the verdict... The American Nurses Association issued a statement expressing similar concerns about Vought's conviction, um, saying it sets a dangerous precedent of criminalizing the honest reporting of mistakes. Some medical errors are inevitable, the statement said, and there are more effective and just mechanisms to address them than criminal prosecution. The same statement went on to say the nursing profession is already extremely short-staffed, strained, and facing immense pressure, an unfortunate multi-year trend that was further exacerbated by the effects of the pandemic. This ruling will have a long-lasting negative impact on the profession. We also saw in an Apple News article the founder of the group Show Me Your Stethoscope. Her name is Janie Harvey Garner. We actually have a scheduled interview with her. She told NPR, quote, healthcare just changed forever. You can no longer trust people to tell the truth because they will be incriminating themselves. If nurses are not allowed to tell the truth without fear of prison, people will die. So we were like, this is cray. And we want to talk about it. And um, we are going to speak about it with Bruce Sackman, who we've had on the podcast before. Bruce is a a retired special agent. Um, He was in charge of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Office of Inspector General. And he is the co-author of a book, Behind the Murder Curtain. Essentially, Bruce spent his career like in hospitals Mm -hmm. investigating and prosecuting bad actors and he is a really unique set of experiences to give kind of insight and and thought around the case and kind of the proceedings so we're really excited to get his take on it so we thought he would be a really cool person to interview for this we think you're going to love this interview bruce is so generous with his time and is always fantastic to talk to so we hope you like it My name is Bruce Sackman, and for 32 years, I was a uh, special agent with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Office of Inspector General, Criminal Investigation Division, um, and eventually became in charge of all major criminal investigations involving the VA hospital system from West Virginia to Maine. And that incorporated every possible crime you could have in a hospital from uh, theft of drugs to um, bribery to 
even murder cases. And that was my career for 32 years. And then after that, I retired from the VA and I went to work uh, under contract at a uh, major healthcare uh, system in New York City. And I did that for 15 years. And I decided just to retire and do consulting and writing. And I'm the author of a couple of books. One of them, the co-author, is called uh, Behind the Murder Curtain. And it's the true story of uh, medical professionals who have murdered their patients. And when I say murdered, I'm not talking about accidents or errors. I'm talking about intentionally murdering their patients, which gives me a pretty interesting perspective on the topic that we're going to talk about today. 100% agree. And Jess and I both read your book, Behind the Murder Curtain. I cannot recommend it highly enough to our listeners. It's really good. It's fantastic. So the case that we're talking about today is the Redonda Vaught case. And if you're ready to jump into that, we've done a brief introduction, um, but we'd love to hear from your perspective what exactly happened there. Sure. Well, during my career, I had actually the honor and privilege of working with many, many nurses. I even have nurses in my family. So Although I'm not a nurse, I really do understand uh, the world of nursing, right? And I really do understand how hard nurses work, how stressful it is for nurses, how much education is required to be a nurse, and how strong you have to be a nurse. And no one respects nurses or the nursing profession more than I do. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from someone who was actually involved in the arrest and prosecution of a number of nurses. But even saying that, there is no one out there who respects nurses or the nursing profession more than I do. So let's talk about this one particular case of Rodonda Vaught. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was an RN, as we know. And I guess by all practical, until this event, she was probably a pretty good nurse. I I say that because I was reading Mm -hmm. that she was actually training another nurse. Yes. You got to usually be one of the better nurses. Right. And she worked at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. I, I haven't been there. I don't know much about Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Tennessee, but it's probably very similar to many other university medical centers. And usually university medical centers are pretty good. Mm -hmm. As as a general rule, if you're connected with a university, if it's a teaching hospital and all, that's a pretty good place. All right. So what happened? She was actually convicted of killing a 75-year-old patient in 2018. Mm -hmm. And she was convicted on something called criminally negligent homicide and gross neglect of an adult. So what does that actually mean? Okay, well, you know, we hear about criminally negligent homicide often when we hear about vehicular homicide. So let's say, you know, you get out of work, okay, and you're really exhausted. Yeah. And you got to get home because that babysitter is going to leave. All right. So you get in the car, and you start driving and maybe you're going a little too fast. And maybe you're passing a stop sign or something like that. And you keep going then, although you have the best of intentions, you might hit somebody and you might kill somebody. And then you could be charged with vehicular homicide, okay? Because even though you may be under tremendous pressure, Mm -hmm. um, you have a responsibility. 
as a driver of a car and you have a responsibility to the other people that you must obey the laws. So as you're driving, let's say there are many different warnings. There's a stop sign, there's a speed limit sign, there are red lights, there's construction, but you keep going and you keep speeding and you keep rushing through all those stop signs and then you wind up killing somebody, do you think that person should be charged with a crime for doing that? They didn't intend to kill anybody. They just intended to get home fast. Yeah. But they intentionally went through all those warnings and all those stop signs, mm -hmm. and then they get prosecuted. And then it's really up to a jury to decide. So, you know, that's not un uncommon. All right? Yeah. But what's very, very uncommon in this case is for a nurse to be criminally prosecuted. Right. Now, not like the nurses that I've prosecuted. And I've I've helped prosecute nurses for stealing drugs, all right? Right. You know, I've prosecuted nurses for intentionally murdering patients. That's not the case here at all, all right? Well, Don DeVore did not, in, to the best of my knowledge anyway, did not intend to kill anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, what exactly did she do? Well. From what I remember, the patient required an ID sedative of Versid, right? Yes. Versid, mm -hmm. that's uh, midazolam, right? If I if I remember correctly, and that's just supposed to relax you before a procedure, and that's a liquid, right? It comes in a liquid form. Yeah, that's what I had read. But what happened was that she actually mm -hmm. went to the machine and did an override and got vecuronium, and that's a paralytic. And there's a big difference between these two drugs, okay? And even a lay person like myself knows there's a big difference between a sedative and a paralytic. And also, if I remember, uh, the vecuronium has to be mixed with a liquid, right? And you have to shake it up, and then you have to... Yep. That's not true with the Versid, right? Mm. And also, when you get that drug, now she went to the machine, even though she had an order for Versid and Vecuronium came up, she did an override, right? And on that override, she took out the drug. And I remember that on that vial drug, it does say like warning paralytic, right? So I think that most nurses, almost all nurses, when they look at that and they see warning paralytic and they do the override, I mean, they're going to see, no matter how busy they are. Right. That's not really versed. You know, that is really some other drug. So she did this over, right? She got it out. And then I, if I remember, she didn't even go back and, and enter it into the MAR. So she gives the drug to the patient. So look at all these stop signs, red lights, all right, and all these other warnings. Then she administered to the patient. And then what happens is she walks away. Yeah. She doesn't see if the patient's feeling better. She doesn't see how she's doing. Then the patient codes and then the patient eventually expired. All right. So there are so many of these warning signs. Now, in, in my career, I don't quite recall a case like this. To tell you the truth, I don't really recall a case like this. As a matter of fact, I saw one report that kind of laid out, you know, she didn't read the label. She didn't see how the patient was doing. 
She did that override on the medication cabinet, which also gives a warning, right? It also gives a warning that there's a paralytic, never screen the med into the MAR. So there are so many warnings and stop signs here that it's beyond, in my personal opinion, a simple mistake. It's, it's way beyond that. And in, in my personal opinion, yeah. I think uh, her being charged was correct. Now, it would be up to a jury. Mm-hmm. You know, if the jury listens to all of this and if the jury comes back and says, right. yeah, she should have caught this, but she was so overworked and things were so hectic and everything was so crazy. Maybe she just should just lose a license and not be criminally prosecuted. I'd be okay with that. But if the jury comes back and says, no, she spit through all those warning signs. Look, we put a lot of trust in our doctors and nurses. They're a very highly skilled professional group of people. Yeah. Take yourself out of being a nurse for a while and say, now you're the patient or it was one of your loved ones. How would you feel about this? I think it was right to bring it to the jury. And if the jury had acquitted, I would be okay with that too. But the jury didn't acquit and she had every opportunity to present her side. Mm -hmm. And she was actually convicted now. Do I think she should go to jail for years and years and years? No, I really don't think so. Yeah. But I think some limited jail time might be appropriate. But I think I was somewhat disappointed Although I understand it, I was somewhat disappointed that so many of the nursing organizations ran to her defense. Yeah. And they give lay people like myself the idea, oh, this happens all the time. How could you prosecute somebody like that? This doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen all the time at all. Okay. And many times when nurses catch mistakes, they catch it and they correct it. Yeah. And you know what's also interesting here that Vanderbilt University Medical Center they didn't even report this. Oh wow! And they got in trouble for this. And then mm-hmm. they had a settlement with the family, and uh, but it was a non-disclosure. Yeah, I don't think the nursing organization should really be defending her. You know, I think they should have come out and said this never happens. This is very rare. Our members are the most professional. Most caring, most dedicated people. Are they overworked? Yes. And underpaid? Yes. And are they a lot of pressure? Yeah. Was the university medical center to blame? Probably in some sense as well. Mm-hmm. But to defend her action, in my opinion, it's just a, eh, happens every day. You know, why are you prosecuting her? I think that was a bad move. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because... I've been very torn about how I feel on this case because because of the fact that she did have to bypass, I think it was five separate warnings. What I have heard, and this is, I, I've been unable to substantiate this, that Vanderbilt Medical Center is notorious for having a difficult to operate system. You know, five separate warnings, one of which my understanding was came up in red that said, caution, this is a paralytic agent. So what do you think exactly happened with, do you think she was just complacent and distracted and that's why it happened? Or or what's your take on the situation? You know, that's, that's something that I've wrestled with myself. I've had some colleagues say, 
hey, Bruce, how do you know she wasn't trying to kill that person? Well, I don't know that. I don't think so, because I never read in anything where there was a history of issues with other patients. Yeah. So I tend to think that this was just a one-time incident. Right. What was going through her mind? What was going through her personal life? What was happening at that moment? I don't know. I don't have any reason to believe that she intentionally tried to kill people. But, you know, people on my line of work say, hey, Bruce, you know, she paid five warning signals. Yeah. After five warning signals, you think maybe she was trying to kill this patient? I I didn't see any evidence to that. So I don't, I don't think so. But mm-hmm. I know how tough it is. But you know what? I remember recently there was a story of a, a, a police officer she was on the job for 25 years and she went to a, a, arrest somebody and she thought mm-hmm. she was taking out a stun gun. Remember that? Yeah. But she actually took out her real pistol and shot somebody. Yeah. And she was prosecuted and found guilty. Yeah. Did she intend to kill? No. In 25 years, did she ever have an incident like that? No. But like the saying says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And when you have that power of life and death is a great responsibility. Yeah. And that's why that, that police officer was charged. And a lot of people said the same thing. Yeah. She had no intentions of killing. This was just an accident. But the way the, the law is, um, you're, you're responsible. Yeah. And you have to at least face the jury and, and let the jury decide. And I hope none of us ever have to do that. Yeah. I think the way you painted this, so I was really on the fence about this. And I think the way you painted that description of driving and passing up the stop signs, it was like clicking in my head. And then I was thinking about that case with the police officer. And I was like, I thought that they did the right thing in that situation because she, it feels the same. The taser and the gun were on different sides. Like all of the things were the same. And she made a mistake. And it cost someone their life and she was held accountable. So the way that you described it Mm -hmm. to me felt very clear that there's a system in place and you can make a mistake. I I think we talked about this before. Like these people are humans doing superhuman jobs and you have a lot of responsibility and you, you need to be held accountable if you make mistakes that cost lives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough. And I think in some ways it sends out a, a, a message, not only to the, to the profession, but to the public out there that, look, you know what? We have um, every right to expect our medical professionals to um, be educated, professional, and yeah. know exactly what they're doing. And if they make a mistake to be able to catch it and reverse it, before somebody dies. I don't think that's unreasonable for patients to think. Yeah. What do you think about her or like the statement about shared blame? Her defense lawyer was like, the blame is in the hospital. The blame is in the device that held all the medicines. What do you think about, like, is there blame there potentially? I'm sure there is blame going around with Vanderbilt. I'm very unhappy with the way Vanderbilt did this. You know, um, it seemed to me like there's some evidence to indicate they were trying to cover it up. Right. And that is a very, very bad way to go. Yeah. And one of my medical serial killer cases, 
you may have talked about this, the one in Germany, mm-hmm. this killer travels from hospital to hospital to hospital. Mm-hmm. And managers in hospital one suspected something, but never said anything to the managers in hospital two, then never said anything to the managers in hospital three. So for the first time, maybe in history, these managers themselves have been charged right. with aiding and abetting the murders. Wow. Now, I don't know if they're going to be convicted of that because the, the trial is going on right now in Germany as we speak. Yeah. Because this is going to be very interesting because managers have been fired or they've moved on or whatever, but they've never been criminally prosecuted. Right. All right. So I actually kind of want to see that prosecution be successful because I want managers to know out, out there that you can't cover this up. Right. Sometimes the cover-up is worse than the crime. Yep. So Vanderbilt, from what I've read, and I don't know their side of the story, but from what I've read, did not really handle this thing well. But they're not the only hospital to do this. Right. We made a mistake. That's the way Vanderbilt should say, hey, we made a mistake. Our systems weren't working right. You know, this was wrong. That was wrong. We're working hard to fix it. Yeah. You know what? We all screw up in life. We all make mistakes. But it's how you handle those mistakes that kind of separate the winners from the losers. So if you fess up to it, and not only fess up to it, but you immediately come out with a plan on how you're going to correct it. All right. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to get a new system. We're going to have some consultants come in. We're going to make sure our system is now the best system there is. That goes a lot further. Yeah. Than- yeah. Don't say anything. Maybe we'll get away with it. And that's the attitude I think Vanderbilt has. Don't say anything. We'll just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have a non-disclosure agreement. Nobody know about anything. One of the things that I think I saw with the like nurse advocacy groups that came out in support of Redonda Vaught, a couple of them said that they felt like she was kind of a scapegoat for Vanderbilt. Like they had these sort of, you know, endemic issues at the hospital system that were not being addressed. And she is, she made a mistake. She immediately owned up to it. And so Vanderbilt kind of didn't back her. And I felt like I read from a couple of different nurse advocacy groups that they felt like Vanderbilt kind of propped her up as a scapegoat to take the blame for their system having some big issues. Do you think that's possible? It's certainly possible. You know, I mean, and if I was a defense attorney, of course, that's one of the arguments that I would. But at the end of the day, yeah, even if the system wasn't working right, she still did wrong. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hope whatever sentence she gets, it's not too stern, not too tough. I mean, I say she's not a, a danger to society, you know, like some of my other. Yeah. Right. I was say. You, know, you know the dangers. <laughs> At the end of the day, I yeah. kind of wish her well, and I hope I hope things work out for her. You know, I'm very disappointed in her and in, in her actions, and I, mean, I think she's disappointed in herself as well. Nothing that the district attorney said yesterday is worse than anything that I've said to myself. So, number one, number two, it's been three and a half years waiting for this process to be done within the legal system. And so I am very happy that that part is just over with.
because any one, any time we have some bad person in our profession, it hurts us all. Yeah. You know, that police officer who sat on somebody's neck, yeah. who gave somebody a chokehold, who did something like we, I hate that. I hate that even more than the general public hates that. Because then that taints everybody in the profession as, as being crazy like that. And of course, we know that's not the case. And I know that that's not the case more than most because I was involved in investigating and prosecuting so many medical professionals. Yeah. So I know that's not the case. Right. And speaking of the number of um, medical professionals that you did help prosecute, how do you feel like this case played out differently from how, if like one of those cases with, with the medical serial killers that you've helped prosecute in the past, how did this play out differently than, than one of those cases? Oh, it's, it's different from many, many ways. First of all, those people always denied their wrongdoing. You know, they always said that, oh, the patient that died as a result of his natural disease processes, I didn't do anything. You know, the patient was old and sick. It was all all uh, everybody's fault but their own and she didn't take that attitude at all she Rodonda said you know I, I screwed up I'm, I made a mistake you know so it's it's a lot different and it doesn't even have that same feel to it mm-hmm. over the years I had arrested a number of nurses that were involved in in stealing narcotics from the hospitals you know I remember the, the last the last one I had was a traveling nurse and this nurse had uh, traveled. She came up to New York to help out in the emergency room during COVID, you know. And boy, that was a rough time. If there was ever a time to be a nurse, it was in New York, right? I can't even imagine. Part of the, the, the COVID pandemic. Yeah. But what was happening is she was actually uh, diverting narcotics and not giving the narcotics to the patients Mm-mm. and using them herself. And um, thanks to some very sharp-eyed and honest, dedicated medical employees, which happens all the time, they notified me about it, and um, and she confessed to it. And people said, "Ah, eh, well, you know, yeah, of course she should be fired, but she should just go into treatment." And I said, "No, that's not enough. That's not enough. She violated the laws. Clearly, she even admitted to it." And there's a price you have to pay. So just being under a stressful situation is not really a defense, you know, to, to these kind of crimes, these kind of crimes. And Rodanda, in some ways I feel sorry for her, in some ways I don't. I just, I just hope that, and I think she seems ready to accept her punishment and move on. And yeah. I think that would be the best thing. I left, it was a big weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, and when I say weight, I mean the, the weight of this legal process, not the weight of Ms. Murphy's life being lost. I want to make that really clear because that's something that will always be with me. I think her sentencing is happening on May the 13th. And if I'm remembering correctly, she faces up to two years for the negligent homicide and then I think it's up to six years for the criminal neglect. So it's potentially up to eight years total. I wouldn't want her to get that. I don't think she'll get that. I really don't. I don't think so either. If I was a judge, I'd give her a year. 
Like I said, she's not a threat to society. Right, definitely. I, I would give her a year, and I think that would send a good message out there. Yeah. If you think about it logically, and you think about all the warning signs that she missed, it's pretty hard to argue that it was just that a mistake because of all the pressure and, and all, all of that, you know? And I think the jury, well, uh, you know, I have a lot of confidence in, in juries and I think the jury probably sat around and discussed that. And yeah, they just said there were just too many warning signs, too many red lights, too yeah. many stop signs, too many construction sites. She just right through. Yeah. So, you know, the question is, well, what's the right number? If you go through one lot, one stop sign, and kill somebody is that different than if you go through five stop signs and kill somebody i don't know see these are questions for the jury but in, in this particular case i think the jury and and the prosecutor did the right thing there was one article that you sent us that they interviewed a woman named janie harvey garner and she's a a nurse and she's the founder of a group called Show Me Your Stethoscope. And it's like a nurse's advocacy group. And she's actually also scheduled to do an interview with us about this. So I'm very interested to, to kind of compare your perspectives. She had a quote that said, uh, quote, healthcare just changed forever. You can no longer trust people to tell the truth because they will be incriminating themselves. Oh, you know what? I, I don't believe that at all. Okay. People will, they will tell the truth. They will do the right thing. Uh, whether this case ever happened or not, it's, it's not going to really change people's ways. The way I found out about a small army of medical serial killers is from the honest, hardworking, super dedicated professionals mm -hmm. who brought it to my attention. That's not going to stop. Yeah. Nurses doing the right thing. It's not going to stop. They're going to still do the right thing. So I have to respectfully disagree with her. I don't really think uh, all of a sudden there's going to be like a code of silence and people aren't going to say anything. I think it's actually good to hear from from like the perspective of the general public. You know, I, I don't really want it to go either way. Right. I don't want nurses to stop owning up to their mistakes and I don't want it to create a culture of silence. But at the same time, I, I, I think you've brought me around to your side that they did the correct thing in prosecuting her, because I think right. I people are. Well, personally, from my perspective, I'm really ready to be hard on cops that make a mistake. Yeah. And I think the the general public is less ready to be hard on nurses that make a mistake. So when you when you brought that case up, I, I think that's what brought me around. Well, let's 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 say that Rodonda never said anything. Let's say that she denied, denied, denied everything. Yeah. Eventually, the truth would come out. That would probably be much worse for her. Yeah. In, in, in my experience, it usually works this way, um, particularly with nurses that divert narcotics. It's usually deny, deny, deny. And then when you show them all the evidence, all the electronic evidence and the physical evidence, then they, they, then they come around. Uh, and that's really what makes me want to prosecute them. Yeah. But when I have a nurse that right off the bat, says, hey, I have a problem, then I kind of feel a little bit different. I, you know, I'm not that anxious to put the cuffs on her. I kind of feel a little, 
kind of feel a little bit different about that. Yeah, it's different. It definitely is. I, I'm glad you said that, Sydney, because I, I was having that internal struggle with myself, like, well, like, I want to be on the side of nurses because they save lives. And then I was like, well, so do police officers. <laughs> like, you have to think about, I, I do think that there is a number of stop signs that someone has to run through for me to feel that. I don't know what that number is. And I'll have to reflect on that. I feel like five is getting close for me. <laughs> five is a lot. Yeah, a I lot. think five is a lot. I think it'd be great for the nursing associations to stand beside her in solidarity for her experience and to then take their fight into the systems that they're like saying should be held accountable, like partnering with these hospitals and like bettering nursing practices and like talking about, you know, there's an opportunity here for them to get into the systems and change and impact so many other like medical professionals. And that's really what I hope I see. Like I I read an article about a nurse who's going back to school uh, because of this. I totally agree. And that's what I think the nursing society should be doing. Yeah. You know, one of our members made a, a terrible mistake. Yeah. However, it was easy to make that mistake because of this, 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 and this, and this. So you know what? We're going to all work together to make sure that something like this could never happen again. And I think the public would, would really like that. Yeah. So wouldn't it be nice if this case actually radically changes a system to make it so much harder, almost impossible to make an honest mistake? That would be great. Yeah. Well, we always end by asking our uh, interviewees how they take their coffee, but we've already asked you before. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to remind our listeners how you take Oh, I like my coffee black with a little bit of sweet and low. And I know sweet and low is not that good for you, but I can't help it. You know, I got so used to the taste. So I, I, I take it black. And I always enjoy speaking with, with, with you folks I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to express my opinion. We're always happy to hear it. It's an opinion, and, and it's it's based on over 40 years. That's what I was going to say. It's an opinion based on facts. Yeah. <laughs> you don't usually find a criminal investigator who spent his entire career working in hospitals. And I've said it, and I'll, I'll say it a thousand times, with all the medical professionals yeah. I arrested, no one. No one on the planet Earth has more respect for nurses than me, all right? Because without them, I would have never found out about these crimes. I would have never had successful prosecutions. Yeah. And they, there were so many cases where nurses had to sit down with me and literally hold my hand through the entire investigation to explain to me what happened, and they were just so wonderful. So I, I say to anybody listening, have a lot of confidence in your in your nurses and your medical professionals. And don't believe that this stuff happens all the time. Yeah. You know what happens all the time? Nurses save lives. Yeah. That happens all the time. Okay. Nurses and doctors save lives. They save lives all the time. And God bless them. And thank you for being in that profession. Absolutely agreed. And thank you for sharing your wonderful opinion. And absolutely, you have such a a wide array of knowledge about this topic, and we're we're always so excited to talk to you. Well, great, and I, and I hope people you know read the book behind the murder curtain. If you read it, 
I like if people could just put a little review on Amazon or Goodreads or one of those things, you know, and um, I'm here anytime you need me. Perfect. (laughs) Thanks, Bruce. You're fantastic as always. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this interview. If you get a second, don't forget to leave us a review wherever it is that you like to listen. You can pick up Bruce's book, Behind the Murder Curtain, on Amazon or basically any independent bookstore. You can find it there. Uh, If you don't have time to review us, just smash the subscribe button and you can rate us. That's quick. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. And don't forget, malpractice makes perfect. Bye-bye.